It is such a blessing to be here with you guys tonight. Uh, it, I'm, I'm enjoying some of this deputation already just for the fact that there are people that I have known for years and never had an opportunity to be at their church. And so getting a chance to be in services at some of these churches is just awesome in, in and of itself. And so I'm glad that I was able to be here tonight. Uh, but as we said in the video, we're going to Hillsboro, North Dakota. Uh, and as I mentioned, I'm originally from Iowa. So a little bit about my past is I grew up in central Iowa. Uh, I had the opportunity to attend a good church. But I kind of forsook all of that and went my own way, ran away from the Lord for several years. Uh, when I was 23, year old, 23 years old, I got saved uh, and was able to go to Bible college in Fargo, North Dakota, graduated from Bible college there. And uh, during the time I was there, the Lord had gave me the opportunity to work in the youth ministry. And so I worked with the teenagers there for about four years before getting the chance to go back to my home church in Iowa and be the youth pastor there for four years. And so it's been a great blessing to work with teens but as I look towards church planting, something that I can say for myself is, is I, I heard on a radio program uh, several years ago, during the time that the Lord was really working on my heart about church planting, uh, the, um, the church in Fargo has a radio station, Heaven 88.7. And on that, there was a guy who had a program, and he received somebody that called in, somebody that wanted to talk to him or ask a question or something. And, and he, he was giving this testimony in one of the programs, and he said it was really strange because when he was talking to the guy, he said, well, where, where are you calling from? And he said, well, I'm calling from inside my tractor. And it just hadn't clicked with him, maybe the extent that even the radio station was reaching as they were reaching into tractors, as farmers were out working. And, and that kind of just hit home with me because I grew up in a town of 500 people, uh, a farming town, an agricultural town. And, and, and though I was blessed with the opportunity to attend a good church, there's a lot of towns, small towns, that there was kids just like me that didn't have the chance to attend a good church, that there, there was no gospel witness anywhere around. There are farmers that sit in tractors and combines and run farms, and who's going out and reaching those people? And so the Lord just really burdened me for that, and, and I think that he has already begun or been preparing me for that, so we're very excited about that. Uh, if you saw the picture at the end, that's my wife, Hannah, and our two little boys, Judah and Theodore. Judah is the one that did the report at the beginning. And so uh, we are also expecting a third little boy in August. And so things are about to be very, very, very busy and entertaining. If they weren't already busy enough for deputation, they're going to be busy now. Uh, and so as we look at going to Hillsborough, we're very, very excited about what God is doing uh, this last year as we began the process of getting ready to move up there. Uh, they, the church up there did a Bible study in Hillsboro uh, in September. So they did outreach in the town, they canvassed the whole town, and then they did a Bible study for four weeks. Well, based off of that Bible study, I have now had the opportunity to once a month meet with a group of people. And so we've had an ongoing Bible study since then. And this last month, I was able to meet with 15 people. And so we are praising the Lord. He is already doing something there. And I was talking to your pastor earlier, and I, it's so exciting to see what God's doing and I'm trying to be cautious to not hinder what the Lord is doing, but I'm also, I've got to go out on deputation. I've got to finish deputation. I've got things that I'm, I'm trying to finish up. And so just pray with me about that as the Lord continues to lead through things that we're trying to do, uh, that he would lead the way in that. Right now we are... Uh, using a community, community room, which we will continue to have the opportunity to do so, but in those 15 people that we are meeting with already, we will have 
three babies born in the next six months. And so we are not even a church yet, and we are already to the point where we are almost in need of a nursery already. And so please pray with us as we look at some locations or some opportunities for that. There is a church in town that, from what I've been told, they are meeting once a week with a very, very small congregation. And so I'm hoping maybe there would be a possibility there to maybe rent some space from them, or maybe the Lord would have it that He's got that building saving there for us. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, if you have any questions over anything that I didn't discuss, please feel free to talk to me about that. I'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, let's take our Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter number 21. Revelations chapter 21. As I was beginning to prepare some of these messages to go out on deputation. I have several messages that I spent time preparing, and they're all, they all ended up being messages where I'm like, Lord, this is going to be great to, to be out and preaching, and, and I love preaching to start with. And so I'm like, this is going to be great. This is going to be wonderful. And then amidst preparing for them, it seems like every one of them, God was like, no, 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 Justin, this is for you. You need to understand this before you try and tell anybody else about this. And this is one that just... This should really hit home with every single one of us. So Revelations chapter number 21, we're going to look at verse 4. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I tell you what, as we look towards heaven, as we look at our world becoming a darker and darker place, I can't wait for heaven. I'm excited for heaven. I'm excited to spend eternity with my Savior. It's going to be a great time, a wonderful time. Well, when I sit there and think about, let's say this time of year, Pastor mentioned already, camp, leaving for camp tomorrow. When I look at camp, I always kind of relate my summer off of camp. When is camp? How long is it until camp again? There's a lady that is a counselor at the camp that she seems to always text the group of us when we're like 150 days from camp and like, it's 150 days until camp, just terribly excited about it. And so there's a lot of us that we kind of base that time of how long is it until we get the chance to go back to camp again. But when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about a song that we sing there every single year that we go. Now, I am not going to sing it to you tonight, but I want to read it to you. It says, heaven's a wonderful place. God tells about it in his word. Heaven, my home is up there. I'm saved, so my home's assured. I like it here at Richmond Lake Camp. It's the next best place to be. But heaven's a wonderful place to be eternally. It's paid for and it's free. Will you be there with me? Now, as we have that in mind, that thought in mind, I want to talk to you about something tonight that I've called What We Can't Do in Heaven. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you so much again, Lord, for the opportunity to, to proclaim your word. Lord, I pray tonight that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would continue to meet with us in a powerful way. Lord, as we spend time in your word, I pray that you would draw us closer to you. Lord, that you would help our walk with you to be closer today than it was yesterday. We'll thank you for all these things and pray it in your son's precious name. Amen. So what we can't do in heaven. The first, or there, there's a few things that I want to talk about first. Why has God left us here on earth? Now, 
maybe we could come up with a lot of reasons, but I have two. The first one being because we're supposed to be conformed into the image of his son. We are supposed to be getting more Christ-like the further we go into our life as a Christian. Uh, I mean, I look at my own Christian life, and I'm coming up this fall. I will have been saved for 10 years. And I tell you what, even from the time that I got saved in this few 10 years, man, I can't help but look at it every day, and I'm like, I feel like I'm a worse sinner today than I was 10 years ago. And hopefully that's because I'm understanding the mind of Christ. I'm understanding His Word more, that I'm seeing the things that I'm doing as as sin, like I should be seeing it, as He sees those things. But the other reason that I believe that God has left us here on earth is because we're supposed to be telling others. Christ gave the Great Commission that we would be sharing it with others, that we would be telling others about this greatest gift. And so I I just want to take a few moments and, and first talk about something called the labor. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. When we look at the labor, there there are several places that the Great Commission is given. This is just one of them, but this is probably the most famous one. This is probably the one that most people would go to when they would think about the labor. And so it has been considered by some maybe the, the greatest of commandments, the greatest thing that has been given to us. Now, I can't testify to that. I can't say set in stone, this is the greatest thing that God has given us to do, but we know that it's extremely important. It's very important for us to be concentrating on this. And so I want to ask a question based off of that. Who is supposed to fulfill the Great Commission? Whose call is it to go and tell? There are people that would say, it's the church's job to go and tell. And I would agree with that. There are those that would say, it's the pastor's job to go and tell. And there are others that would say, well, it's Christians' jobs to go and tell. Well, I would look at it and I would say that it is the church's job to go and tell. But who consists of the church? Christians. Christians fill up the church. Now, for those that would say, oh, it's the pastor's job to go and tell. We pay our tithe for him to go out and do so. Yeah, he is supposed to go and tell as a Christian. He's not supposed to necessarily specifically go and tell just because he's the pastor. Okay? It is our jobs to go and tell others. It is our job to go out and reach the lost, that we have circles of influence that, like your pastor, may never have somebody that he will come in contact with that you will come in contact with. I have people in my life that y'all will never come in contact with. I will have the chance to come in contact with those people. It's my responsibility to go and tell those people. So we need to, to kind of own that a little bit. We, we need to understand that it's our job to go and tell others about Christ. Psalms 107.2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. If you are a born-again believer, if you sit in this room tonight as a Christian, it's your job. And every single one of us needs to get to that point where the buck stops here. It's my job to go and tell. Don't default to letting somebody else do it. And I use letting lightly. Don't default to expecting somebody else to go do it. It's your job 
to reach your neighbor. It's your job to reach your coworkers. You may be the only person that they ever come in contact with that has the gospel. You may be the only person that they ever see that is supposed to be a reflection of Christ. What are we doing with that? How are we doing that? So let me ask you this next question. How are we to accomplish the labor that Christ has left us to do? If we tag back off of Psalms 107, 107 verse 2, in modern language, we could say we need to tell people. Now, I'm a huge proponent of if you have an opportunity to give something to somebody to invite them. I was looking at your guys' wall out here, and you have information out there. It's like, join us on Sunday. You're invited to come. We have one that we made in Crookston this year that says, you're invited with an exclamation point, and just, yeah, you're invited, because people like being invited to stuff. I like it when people are like, hey, do you want to come over to this thing? We're, we're you know, doing whatever. Yeah, I love being invited to stuff. It's great. That's a great opportunity to be able to have people come. Church is a great opportunity for people to come in and hear the gospel. It will always be a great opportunity, but that's not what it says. It said, go and tell. We are to tell other people. And so that's not to say that we can't use those tools that God has given us, but you know, there's a great tool that we could use. We could use the tool of our testimony. I have a message that I preach called The Greatest Tool, and it talks about using your testimony to reach other people. Now, we live in a world that, that is just constantly coming up with new stories. Look at Hollywood. All, they're always coming out with new movies and new things and, and trying to use all these things to, to entertain people. Let me ask you, if you were asked right now on the spot to give your testimony in a way that you would be able to retain the attention of somebody, would you be able to do it? Now, I'm not saying doctor up your testimony. That's not what I'm saying. But do you know it well enough? that you would be able to tell somebody else to the point where they would be engaged, to the point where they would, they would see the emotion of what took place in your life, where they could see that you had gotten to the point where you would come to the end of yourself and in need of a Savior. That's the greatest tool that we have to be able to tell others. Many of us aren't able to have great amounts of Scripture memorized, there are those, I am jealous of many people that are like, I have books of the Bible memorized. Praise the Lord. That's great. I try and continue to try working on memorizing scripture, but my brain just struggles with it. But you know what? When I'm out witnessing, I can tell you exactly what happened. I can tell you what took place the night that I got saved. And so we need to be able to share our testimony, but sometimes it's maybe more than that. Sometimes we do need to be able to answer questions. Second Peter or 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We should be prepared to answer questions that people have. We should be able to answer those questions. And I'll just go ahead and add this. I use this with the teenagers all the time. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know. I feel like so many people are afraid to use that answer and they just come up with an answer. Here's an answer to that question. It is way better for you to say, I don't know, would you give me some time to study it out and maybe we can get together and spend a little more time and go over the answer to that. Hey, there's a great opportunity for us to be able to spend more time with that person. Please do not make up answers to questions just so you have that. 
You never know whether you are going to be the one that is going to water, whether you are the one that is going to be planting the seed, or whether you're the one that's going to get the blessing of the harvest. You, you never have any idea. So we need to be prepared always. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to be instant, in season and out of season. And, and I had a preaching class that I took that the preacher would often say, what season is there besides instant, in season and out of season? There's no other season. So we are to always be prepared. So if we talk about the labor a little bit, what about the location? Now, I said earlier that the most popular place of the Great Commission is probably Matthew 28. But my favorite location is actually Acts 1.8. God's word says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When we look at this verse, we can say that we are given specifically four maybe geographic locations. We could look at a map and we could give you a general idea of where these locations are at. So let's look at it that way. So if we look at Jerusalem, we could say that Jerusalem is our own community. It's our own town. It's the place that we should be reaching First, it's the first one in the list. We are to be reaching our own community. These are our neighbors. These are our coworkers. These are the people that work down at the gas station, at the grocery store, people that you rub elbows with all week long. I just am going to throw this out there. It's been so frustrating for me with some technology because people now go into the grocery store and they have their earbuds in and they just walk through the grocery store and they just get their stuff and they go to the self-checkout and they self-checkout and they get out the store and they never talk to anybody which I know there are introverts that love that. I'm not an introvert. I want to talk to people. I want the opportunity to be able to talk to people because I'm supposed to be reaching my Jerusalem. I'm supposed to be reaching those people. What about Judea? We could say Judea is maybe, maybe our own country. And boy, does our country need the gospel. Our country needs God what are we doing about that? Are we reaching out? I mean, I look at this and I think about going to Hillsboro. And I mentioned in the video that there's a three-county stretch. There's no Baptist church of any stripe. There's no gospel witness whatsoever. The county that I'm going to, 8,000 people. Either of the counties on, the other, on one side or the other, exact same size. No gospel witness whatsoever. What are we doing to reach our own country? What are we doing to reach out to those people that speak the same language as we do? I mean, we're getting to the point now where God is even bringing the mission field here. There are people all the time coming into our country that are from other countries and they want to join our country and be part of our country. Well, praise the Lord for that. Now I have the opportunity to reach you. Now I have the chance to tell you about the one who changed my life forever. What are we doing with Judea? Third, we see... Samaria. Now we could look at this as our continent. We are to reach North America. You know there's 23 countries in North America? If you take out Canada and the United States, there are 21 other countries that we should be reaching. I, I know people that will look at maps sometimes and they'll just say, well, yeah, you've got Canada and you've got the United States and then there's, there's Mexico and stuff. There's 21 other countries that we should be reaching, 21 other places that, that maybe we should be partnering with missionaries to go to those places to, to see the lost souls saved. At my hometown, we have a packing plant. 
Now, if anybody doesn't know what a packing plant is, that's where pigs go. In our case, that's where pigs go, and we get bacon. Amen is right. There is an extremely large Hispanic population in my hometown. So our church had the opportunity to have Spanish ministry. It was wonderful. Now, I can't speak hardly any Spanish. I know enough Spanish to probably get me into trouble just because I'm trying to say one thing and it's not the right words. But I had the chance to talk to people. I had the chance to rub elbows with people that were coming from other countries so that I could tell them about Jesus, so that I could witness to them. What a blessing that is. What, what a privilege that is. What are we doing about Samaria? Fourthly, we see the uttermost. There's literally nothing that doesn't fall into that category. There is nowhere in our world that doesn't fall into the uttermost. Now, I feel like sometimes people shy away from this one in, the aspect, in several aspects. The first one being, I don't want to submit my life to whatever the Lord would have me to do because God's going to send me to Africa. So what? If God sends you to, Af- to Africa, you are going to be safer there and in the exact will of his life or for his, your life from him than you will be anywhere else. Safer than you would be in America. So, so what? Sorry, I had to get that out there. But what about the opportunity to go on missions trips? What about the opportunity to give to missions? What about the opportunity that everybody has to pray? to pray over a list of missionaries, to, to intercede on their behalf. When we look at, at missionaries of years ago, I've read diary accounts of some of these missionaries that are like, this was going on, we were having this, this terrible time, and then it just was gone. And later to find out that there was some account somewhere that some church had that they happened to be praying that night for that missionary specifically. Somebody was interceding on their behalf. Just because we're supposed to reach the uttermost it doesn't mean that everyone is called to go. Some of us are called to stay, and we're called to reach out in prayer. We're, ta- we're called to reach out in our finances and help out. But something that I find very interesting when we look at Acts 1.8 is the, the, it, it says, And ye shall be witnesses unto me both. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. I, I would love to know more about it. But I, I had to do some research on this, and I'm like, oh, this has got to be some sort of good word, you know? It's not. It's just a connecting word, just like and or but or for or anything like that that we would have in the English language. It's, it's just a connecting word. But in this context, it gives this idea that we should be doing all of this at the same time. I, I have wanted to, out of my own selfish pride, make statements like, we should be reaching our own country first. We should be reaching our own county and our own city first before we reach out. You know, there's people that have had the exact same thought on the other end of the spectrum. We should be sending missionaries around the world at the loss of our own cities and states and country. Can I tell you something? We're both wrong. I would love to be right, but I'm not. We should be reaching all of these together, both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. In any avenue that we can, we should be trying to reach out. How have you put an effort this last week for this, for the Great Commission? 
for, for any of those areas that I just described. I understand not everyone is called to, to the foreign field. Not everyone is called to pastor. Not everyone is called to start a church. But we can give to those endeavors financially. We can give faithfully. We can go out help out for a few weeks. Maybe take a short-term missions trip. Maybe set aside some time every week that we're going to pray for our missionaries. That this is going to be part of my offering to God in time is that I'm going to pray for these missionaries. The financial cost of any of those things will far be outweighed by the benefit that you will receive just in your own personal life, your own walk with the Lord. I tell you what, I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip. I've been on one missions trip in my life, and it was great. I was so excited for it. It was going to be wonderful. We show up. It's awesome. It's great. I'm in country. This is wonderful. It's the first time I've ever been out of the country. We're there for a Monday and a Tuesday. We start passing out copies of the book of Mark. It's wonderful. Things are they're just flying out. We're handing them out all over the place until the missionary that we're staying with pulls up on the corner of the, uh, the Capitol building that me and somebody else are standing next to. And it was almost out of like a movie scene where the missionary pulls up in the van and just screeches the brakes to a stop and the sliding door slides open and get in the van right now. I'm like, what is going on here? So we got in the van and he said, are you part of the group that got detained? Nope. I have no clue what you're talking about. Later we found out that a large portion of our group had been detained by, we'll just call it the Mongolian version of the Gestapo. They're very upset about us being in country and handing out literature. Turns out their definition of religious freedom was different than the definition of religious freedom. So much so that 23 Americans got deported because of it. I tell you what, I can look at that mission strip and I can say, look at all the money that was wasted on flights and, and time taken off of work and we got three days to pass out the gospel and then we were shut down. But you know what? The effect that that had on my heart for years to come far outweighed any financial cost, any physical inconvenience, any spiritual inconvenience I thought might have been there. God took care of it all. It was wonderful. It was encouraging. There's one other way that I want us to, to look at this. We could look at Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost in another way. Let's say Jerusalem is our family. Are you reaching your family? Because you're going to have the best chance to do it. You're going to have the most opportunities to do it. It's not something where you can just, hey, pastor, do you think you could swing by and you know, witness to my dad or, or witness to my mom? I think about my own grandpa. He's 85 years old, and I have tried to witness to him for years. It's something that's close to my heart. It's something that I know that I'm supposed to be doing. It's something that I'm going to have a far better chance at doing than if I ask somebody else to go do. Can, can you go witness to my grandpa? No, it means more coming from me. It's, it's a vulnerability that sometimes we're afraid to show or we're afraid to have. Are we reaching our family? 
that's that part of that circle of influence that you have the best chance of reaching. When we look at, at Judea, we could say that this is our friends. Okay, you're still circle of influence. Best chance you're going to have at reaching those people. They're people that I love and people that I care about, people that I love spending time with. There are people that are not Christians, people that love the world. You may still call them friends. Are you so friendly with them that you're willing to tell them about the Lord? That you're willing to sacrifice that relationship for their soul? How's Judea going? What about the uttermost? We could look at that as everyone. Absolutely everyone. Now, if you noticed, I skipped one. Samaria. Now, if you do a study on Samaria through the Bible, the Jews hated the Samaritans. The Jews had a horrible relationship with the Samaritans. Neither one of them liked each other at all. So I'll propose this to you. What if Samaria was the people that you don't like? The people that you don't get along well with? Now, I know there's people that are more spiritual than I that would say, we're supposed to love everybody. We're supposed to care for everybody. And you're absolutely right. But everybody has people that they don't get along with. Everybody has people that they're, that's not my favorite person in the world. Everybody has that coworker that I don't really want to have to work with them because I don't like them at all, yet you still have to work with them. What about that person? Are you reaching them? Because we've gotten to this point that people have decided who deserves to hear the gospel. We've gotten to a point that, that we'll see people out in public, we'll see people at grocery stores, and just through a visual look at them, we'll say, yeah, I'm not going to tell that person. I'm not going to talk to that person about the person that changed my life. We've all seen, here's a great example, we've all seen those people that stand in stores that are piercings everywhere, tattoos everywhere, and people will look at them and say, I'm not going to talk to that person. I'm not going to tell them about Jesus. You may not have that conscious series of thoughts, but people have had those thoughts. I'm not willing to talk to that person. What about the person down at the grocery store who happens to have decided that they want to be a different gender? What about those people that work down at the DMV, somebody who has decided that they wanted to live the homosexual lifestyle? And we look at those people and we say, I'm not going to tell that person. We in our minds get to the point where, where it's like saying, you don't deserve to hear the gospel. Well, you know what? Neither did you. Neither did I. I didn't deserve to hear about a Savior that died on the cross for my sins. Every single one of them that are just as bad as that person that you're deciding doesn't need to hear the gospel how dare we get to that point that we're not willing to tell everyone, including the Samaritans, including the people that we don't like, the people that we don't get along with. Let's look back at our text verse. Revelation 21, verse 4. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. When I look at this verse, there are things in that verse that are, that are exciting. 
There's promises from God in that verse. He's going to take the pain away. He's going to wipe the tears away. But I want to give you a thought first. Why are there tears in heaven? Why will there be tears in heaven? We're in the greatest place that we've waited our entire Christian life to get with the Savior that we're ready to spend eternity with. Why are there tears? Well, I can tell you, first off, there's probably going to be some tears for lost loved ones whose pride was so stubborn they never wanted to come to that point of salvation. There's going to be tears for that. But you know what I think there's going to be a lot of tears for? I think there's going to be a lot of tears for Christians that wished they had done more. Christians that wished they had gone across the street to talk to their neighbor. When the lady from the DMV steps up and it's her turn to be judged at the great white throne, are you going to sit there and say, I wish I had talked to her. The kid at the grocery store is next. I could have talked to them. The dude that runs the parts store, I could have talked to that guy. My mechanic, I never talked to him. I never told them. Every single person that is unsaved is going to stand before God and be judged. I'd like as few of them as possible. I'd like to see that number be as small as possible, which means we need to do our job, which means we need to go and tell the lost about a Savior that can save them, just like he did for you, and just like he did for me. You know, I was, I was a wicked kid growing up. I was not a great person. I was one of those people that you would not have wanted to be friends with. I ran away from the Lord. I didn't want anything to do with church. I wanted to chase my own lifestyle. I got caught up in drugs and alcohol, and I wanted nothing to do with the church. You know, there's people in my home church, people that prayed for me for years. They said, Justin, your soul matters to God. And it matters to me. And I'm going to keep praying for you. And I'm going to keep talking to you. And I'm going to keep witnessing to you. Because I would love if there was one less person that had to die and go to hell because I didn't tell them. Because I didn't talk to them. Because I didn't pray for them. When you stand before Christ in heaven... So happy to be there. You will never ever again have the chance to tell somebody about what he did for you and to see them excited and joyful when they accept that gift of salvation. You will never ever again be able to give of your time, talent, and treasure towards the Great Commission ever again. So what are you doing with the Great Commission today? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you so much for your word. Lord, I want to thank you that you're still in the business of changing lives. You're still in the business of saving people. And Lord, I pray that you would give, give Christians strength and boldness to tell others, to be a witness to the lost, to testify of you and what you have done in our own lives. And Lord, I pray that we would see the lost how you see the lost. Lord, give us, 
Give us that Holy Spirit boldness today. We'll pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.